Well, it's great to see everyone today. Thank you for joining us and uh, singing along, and happy Memorial Day weekend to everybody. Uh, you've joined us, if, you've, if you weren't here the last couple weeks or it's your first time with us, you've joined us on a very exciting week I'll tell you about uh, in just a little bit. But if you are new with us, we would love to get to know you a little bit. And so there's a card in front of you that says Next Steps on it, and we would love for you to fill that out. It looks like what's on the screen or like what I'm, hand, I'm holding. Uh, we would love for you to fill this out, drop it at the Next Steps desk in the lobby, Uh, And we have a free gift we would love to give to you. We'd love to connect with you, help you get to know us a little bit better. This is also the place if you want to take whatever the next step is in your faith journey here at GFC. So if you're looking to join a group or join a team or get baptized or talk about what it means to follow Jesus, this is also the place we would love for you to fill out and just let us know and connect with us that way. If you'd rather just do it online, you can go right to our website, mygracefamily.church, and you can find it and fill it out online there, right where you're sitting. Just hop on your phone and send that through to us, and we would still, we'll still make sure we get you that free cup of coffee, all right? And it's from Twin Valley. It's not the free coffee that's sitting out here. It's the Twin Valley, so it's even a little bit better, all right? So we would love to just get to know you that way. Uh, so here's what's uh, exciting and interesting about today. Today's Tailgate Sunday. So this is what's happening today. If this is new to you, you missed this, or you weren't around, you are welcome to stay. Here's what's going to happen. After we're done in here, uh, we're going to go outside. Those of us who are participating have parked kind of along this area, this corridor over here, and we're going to open up the tailgates. We're going to have a lot of food available. We're going to have uh, the hot dogs are ma- being made right now. So even if you weren't planning to stay, you are welcome to stay and hang out and have lunch with us. It's going to be a great time just to sit connect with people. Uh, If you didn't bring a chair, we have some extra chairs. And so the idea is that you hang out at your tailgate, but you can walk around to everybody's tailgate, see what food is available, maybe get to know some new people or pull up a chair and hang out with some friends you already know. So we just hang out for a little bit, have lunch, and it's a great time. So I know for some of us, this is new, a little bit different. We did it for the first time last year, but I promise you will have a great time. Uh, One other thing we wanted to let you know about is we are making a little shift in our prayer chain. So for a while, we've done uh, where you call in and we, we send out a voicemail that gets to your phone. We're shifting that a little bit because we haven't used it so much, and it's a monthly cost to us. So something that we already have access to that won't cost us anymore is our text chain. So instead of getting a voicemail, you'll simply get a text message. That's the only difference that will be there. So if you would like to join that, the information is right there on the screen. So you just text the word prayer to 717-325-4217. And every time that there's a prayer request that somebody wants to send out uh, to the church family, you will get a text message and be able to continue to pray. Uh, we do have a few people I know that don't do text messaging. So if you, w- you want to let us know that and say, hey, I would still like to receive a phone call, we can figure that out for you. Um, but this is a way for us to kind of cut a little bit of our budget, something that we're not using very often and use something we're already using and it's a little quicker for us as well. So if you'd like to join that and learn how you can pray, that's the way to do it. Lastly today, if you'd like to make giving a part of your worship experiences, there's a couple ways to do that. You can do so online as always. Uh, You can set up reoccurring giving, which is great, uh, or you can just use the boxes there in the back of the room or the main doors. And as you know, we depend on generous people like yourselves to continue to do the work we believe Jesus has called us to do here in New Holland. Um, And so if you'd like to do that along with us, that would be Awesome. All right, I'm going to pray, and then Pastor Andrew's going to come and bring message to us today. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful uh, for beautiful weather on a perfect day for us to just hang out and spend some time uh, getting to know one one another a little bit better and connecting a little bit over a fun thing like a tailgate. And so we just pray for this morning that uh, we would be attentive to what you want us to learn from Pastor Andrew. We pray that you'd speak through him as we continue our soundtrack series 
uh, and we pray that you give us a great time the rest of the day and hanging out outside or whatever we have planned for the rest of our weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Like Pastor Corey said, if you don't know me, my name is Andrew, one of the pastors here at GFC. Uh, happy Memorial Day weekend. Uh, if you, is there any vets in the room today? Can we just give a quick round of applause? Thank you so much for your service. Um, we appreciate your sacrifice and what you've done for us. And it's great that we can uh, be together today and Memorial Day weekend and celebrate our vets uh, together. Uh, but this week, we are in week three of our series called Soundtracks. And if you haven't been with us, the tagline sums it up really well. The tagline is, the truth you believe will produce the fruit you see. And in this series, uh, we kind of spun off into the series in a, from a passage in Luke. And Luke is kind of the backbone of our, of our preaching this year. Um, but as we get to certain parts, we're like, hey, we want to talk more about that. We kind of spin off into some different conversations. And in Luke chapter 6, Jesus is talking uh, about good fruit and bad fruit. And he's talking about the reality that good trees produce good fruit and bad trees produce bad fruit. And then he says this. He says, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart, and an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what's in your heart. And so this idea, this metaphor of good fruit and bad fruit, it's all connected to uh, what, what a person does. What a person does, it's all flowing out of what's inside of them. If they, you know, if they have good within them, then good is going to come out. If there's truth within them, truth is going to come out. If there's lies then bad things are going to come out. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty simple, but it's pretty profound. And we've been processing, what does it look like for us to think about what's inside of us? Are we believing truth or are we believing lies? I think if we surveyed everyone, everyone would say, yeah, I want to believe truth. None of us would, want, would admittedly say, yeah, I just want to believe lies. That sounds great. Like, no, we want to believe truth and we want to live out of the truth. You know, we want to be a, a good tree producing good fruit, uh, for God. And so we've been kind of processing this and we've spun off from this passage about good fruit and we've gone to the fruit of the spirit, which is in Galatians chapter five. And last week, Pastor Corey uh, started us off with the first uh, fruit of the spirit, which is love. And uh, if you're not familiar with the fruit of the spirit here, it's in Galatians five. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so we're taking one fruit at a time, just looking at it and looking at, hey, what's a lie that we believe about this fruit? Uh, because again, uh, if we believe, if there's bad fruit, if we're living out bad fruit, that means that there's, there's a lie in here that we're, that we're believing, all right? What's inside of us produces the actions we see, all right? And so last week, Pastor Corey looked at a lie that we believe about love, and then he processed through that and then said, hey, this is, this is a truth we should believe about Love. And we're going to do the same today, but with the next one, with joy. Now, I've been processing this whole soundtrack series, and uh, I love soundtracks. I love listening to soundtracks for different movies. Uh, and I've been processing, is there a movie that kind of sums up uh, this reality of, hey, the lies I believe, you know, uh, are going to produce uh, bad fruit in my life. And if I believe truth, there's going to be good fruit in my life. And I thought of the movie, has anyone seen The Truman Show? Has anyone ever seen that movie? All right, one person? All right, Wow. All right, or a couple people. Okay, good. Whew. All right, so The Truman Show, if you're not familiar with it, it's with Jim Carrey. Uh, it came out a while ago. But in it, it's basically the ultimate reality TV show. 
where this, this child, this infant, gets taken uh, by this TV producer, and they basically say, hey, we're going to film his entire life and put him in a fake reality, and we're just going to see what happens. And so Truman, he grows up thinking his reality is one thing, and so the way he lives is based off what he believes is true about the world around him. But it's all a lie. He's interacting what he thinks with normal people, but they're all actors just on this huge set. And finally, if you, if you watch the movie, uh, this, his reality starts to unravel until he finally realizes the truth and then he leaves. You know, it's not until the, he internalizes the truth that, hey, I don't think this is real, where the action then flows out where he leaves the set. As long as he's believing the lie, believing the fantasy, he's cool just continuing on with where he's at. And I think the same thing is true for us. When we believe lies about these different fruits of the Spirit, about different things in life, we just continue in bad patterns. We continue to do dumb things. But God wants us to believe truth. And so we're going to be talking about joy today. Now, joy... Joy is closely related to gladness and happiness, all right? So today, as I'm talking, I might interchange those words because they're, they're very, very similar. Um, but the way I like to think about joy is joy is deep, durable, lasting happiness. You know, when I say happiness, it's, just, it's usually just kind of a surface-level thing. Like, I'm so happy we're having hot dogs today, all right? Now, if I eat too many hot dogs, I won't be happy we had hot dogs, all right? See, my happiness usually just kind of ebbs and flows based on what I'm experiencing in the, mo- in the moment. It's an emotional response. But joy, it's deeper. It's more durable. It doesn't ebb and flow based off of how many hot dogs I eat or not. All right? It's lasting. It's something that's there even if the emotional response of happiness isn't there. So joy, a deep, durable, lasting happiness. And it's something that I think we can choose to have. But our society, we, t- we think about happiness all the time, right? Like, it's everywhere. Um, we, we make movies about it. Like, think about the stereotypical story. It ends with, and they all lived what? Happily ever after. Like, isn't that just the dream? They all just live happily ever after. Like, so many stories finish that way. Uh, I think we'd spend a lot of time daydreaming about what's going to make us happy. I know I do. I think about, man, if I could only get that, or man, t- tomorrow I'm going to a baseball game uh, down in Baltimore. I'm going to see my favorite team, the Cleveland Guardians. It's going to be fun. They're probably going to lose but because uh, they stink this year, but it's going to be fun. So I daydream about that. It's going to be fun. I daydream about the things that are going to make me happy, or I worry about the things that are going to take away my happiness. I might not think about it in those terms, but, uh, you know, I worry about the bills and I worry about, you know, am I doing good in my job? And I worry about, my, uh, well, I have a daughter now, so now I worry a lot about my daughter and I worry about my friendships. And I worry about all these things that produce happiness in my life. And I worry about them. You know, happiness, it's everywhere. We sing songs about happiness. Like think about how many songs are about happiness or the lack of happiness, you know, about a broken heart. It's just a song about the lack of happiness in that person's life. Or we teach our kids to sing, uh, you know, if you're happy and you know it, do what? Clap your hands. Yeah. And then our kids grow up, and now we have the adult version of that song. You know the adult version of that song by Pharrell Williams? The, the happy song? Has anyone heard happy? All right. Because I'm happy, clap along if you feel like, yeah, all right, there we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just the adult version of if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. All right. So who, whether you're little or old, we can now clap along when we're happy. All right. 
But our society is thinking about happiness all the time. Maybe you've watched Duck Dynasty and Phil Robertson. What's he always saying? Happy, happy, happy. You know, he wants mama to be happy, happy, happy. All right. So we're thinking about happiness all the time. We're talking about it. But I think if we're honest, I think we can be honest here. If we're honest, we know we don't want just momentary happiness. We want lasting happiness. We want something deep. We want joy. All right. If we're, if we're honest, that's what we want. We know that that certain happiness is going to come into our life and it's going to ebb and flow based on the weather, based on just how, how this past week at work went, based on if your, your daughter sleeps or not, oh, um, just based on all these different things that make us happy. But if we're honest, we want more than just momentary happiness. We want deep happiness. Now, just like last week, Pastor Corey looked at a lie about love. We're going to look at a lie about joy. And uh, this is the lie that I, a lie I came up with uh, just as I thought about my own life and I looked at culture, I looked at God's word. Um, you could probably tweak it and make it better. You could think of other lies about joy. I encourage you to think about that. Um, but this is the lie that I think we often buy into about joy. And it's this. It's lasting joy comes when my actions and my circumstances produce my desires. Lasting joy comes when my actions and my circumstances produce my desires. We could think about it like this for our actions. You know, if I do blank, I'll get blank, then I'll be happy. You know, if I work hard enough, then I'll get that promotion I've been having my eye on. And then, then I'll be happy because I'll be in the position I want. I'll have the, the paycheck I want. You know, then I'll be happy. Or, you know, if I do good enough in school, if I work hard enough and I get good grades, then I'll get into the school of my dreams. Or I'll work hard enough and get the good grades so that mom and dad won't be mad at me anymore, and then my life will be good. Or circumstances. You know, if actions are about the things I have control over, circumstances are just about the things outside of me. It's like, man, when life just aligns and that happens, then, then I'll get the thing I want. Then I'll be happy. You know, if I hit the lottery, I'll get all the money I want, then I'll be happy. You know, if, I, if my, if my, if my uh, work goes this way or my kids grow up this way or if this happens or if the Cleveland Guardians win tomorrow, like then, then I'll be happy. You know, we think about all these things, whether it's our actions, or our circumstances, and if they align just right and we get that thing we want, then it's like, yeah, I'm good. I have the happiness I desire. Now, I want to ask you this question. Is this really a lie? Think about it. If the, the lie I'm proposing to us is that lasting joy comes when our actions and our circumstances produce the desires of our heart. Is that really a lie? Because I'll tell you what, the circumstances today that it's beautiful weather outside, that we're going to have a bunch of good food outside, like, man, that's going to make me happy. Or the fact that, you know, when, when I do something right and it goes well and, and, like in, and work goes well or things with family goes well or just the different things in our lives, when those things align and it produces the desires we have, doesn't that give us happiness? Doesn't that give us a sense of joy? So is this really a lie? Now, here's the thing about lies. Um, the best lies or the ones that are the hardest to detect are the ones that are the closest to the truth. You know, if this is the truth, and I tell you something that's 180 degrees this way, it's pretty easy to spot that, right? Unless you're super gullible, okay? But um, did you know gullible's written on the ceiling? 
I almost got a couple of you. Okay. All right. But the best lies are the ones that are closest to the truth. This lie, I think, is so subtle. It's so deceptive. And I think that's why, at least myself, why I believe it so often. Because it's close to the truth. Because the reality is, I think we can find real joy in the things of this world. I think we can find real joy in the things of this world. And I think God's word even points to that. There's a bunch of places we could go to. In the Psalms, we find that in Psalm 65, it talks about the reality of God's creation and the beauty of it and the bounty of it. And it talks about it being full of joy. Like we find joy in God's creation, right? We go outside, like we vacation to oceans and mountains. Like we vacation to places where there's going to be things that are going to be beautiful that bring us joy. Or we find joy in the things that we create and the things that we consume, Psalm 104 talks about how uh, wine gladdens our hearts, how there's olive oil to brighten our faces, and there's, there's bread to satisfy our hearts. We don't go outside and just pick bread from the bread tree or, or olive oil from, from the olive oil bush. Like, no, these were things that God's people had to produce, and it made them happy. It brought, it brought joy into their life. And the same thing is true for us. There's so many things we create and we make that make us happy, Right? Like we have cars, we have Nintendo Switches, we have sports, you know, we have Chick-fil-A. Like we have all these things that humans have produced that make us happy, that bring joy into our lives. Or there's all these places in God's word we could go to that talk about our relationships. In the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah 33 talks about the joy a bride and groom have. Or in Proverbs 23, the, the joy a parent has with their child. Think about all the places like uh, Jonathan and David, if you know their story, their friendship. Like there was so much joy between them. We can have and find real joy in the things of this world. And so that's where this lie is so subtle. Because remember, the lie isn't just about can we find joy. The lie is you can find lasting joy. Because here's the thing. The joy we find in this world, though real, is only temporary. The joy we find in this world, the happiness of the things God has created, it's only temporary, all right? It's not lasting. It's, 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 it doesn't satisfy to the depths of our being that I think we were created for. You know, there's, there's all sorts of things that happen to the things of this world, you know, there's the beauty of God's creation, and then a storm comes in and, and destroys it, or a forest fire. You know, we save up, we buy that, that house, that dream house that we think is going to just finally bring our family together, make us so happy, and then termites come, or different things happen, a natural disaster happens, or we can't pay the bills, and we lose it. Think about our hobbies. You know, we enjoy sports, uh, playing them, and then we get older, and then we can't play them like we used to. Or other, or other things that we, we, just, we just lose throughout our life. Or think about our relationships. We put so much stock and joy in, in the different relationships we have. And then what happens? Someone stabs us in the back. Someone lies to us. Someone leaves. Someone passes away. And so the joy and happiness that we can find in this world, that God's word is full of all of these different things, it's, it's just that momentary happiness. It's not the deep, durable, lasting happiness, the joy that I think the fruit of the Spirit is calling us to have. 
one of the things I love about God's word is that it, it's real, all right? What I mean by that is it's real about the, the reality that we can find happiness in this life, but it's also real about the flip side about, about the pain and the hardship of this life. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes starts out this way. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, 2 to 3, it says, Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? I don't think the author of Ecclesiastes was listening to Pharaoh Williams' happy song, okay? It's a hard verse to read. Ecclesiastes is a hard book to dive into. It can make us sad. It can make us depressed. But he's, he's wrestling with this reality that everything is finite. Everything is momentary on earth under the sun. And the word meaningless there, maybe you've read a translation that says vanity. That word in Hebrew is this word hebel or hevel. And it, it basically has this meaning of vapor or smoke. And it's this idea that that everything is hevel. Everything is just like vapor. It's just like smoke. We can see smoke, you know, from a fire. But then where does the smoke leave? Like it's, it's hard to tell like where the smoke is and then where it's not. It just kind of disappears. Or have you ever tried to grab smoke? All right. Like you, you can put your hands around it and then it just slips right through your fingers. Or if you're, on, if you're the unlucky one around a campfire, the smoke always finds you. Is anyone the unlucky one where the smoke always finds you? That's me. I hate that. All right? But that's, that's our life. It's, it's smoke. It's vapor. Everything under the sun is hevel. And so the writer of Ecclesiastes is just getting at this reality that in life we chase after things like we're chasing after the wind. We can see its effects. We know it's there. But we can never quite grasp it. Because once we do, it just kind of floats away. And this is where I think the issue comes is we take fleeting things and we try to make them give us lasting joy or lasting happiness. We say to the things of this world, hey, I need you to give me the joy that, that, that I, I need to have in my heart to satisfy me because I believe God created us to have joy. He created us in his image, and he's a God of joy. And so he created us for this. So I think deep down we know there's this longing, but then we take the temporary things, the hevel things, and we say, give me something eternal, and they just can't. It's like building a giant sandcastle and trying to say, hey, this is going to protect me from the flood. All right? Do giant sandcastles last? Maybe for a little bit. But eventually, they're just, the wave's going to come in, it's going to crash it, it's going to be destroyed. And here's the thing. Temporary things can only give you temporary joy. Temporary things can only give you temporary joy. There's something that I've wanted for a long time now. Uh, it's something called the Remarkable. Has anyone ever heard of the Remarkable? All right, the Remarkable is a paper-like tablet, all right? Now, I'm not good with technology, so I don't know why I want this, but I think it would be really cool to be able to have uh, an electronic device that feels like you're writing on paper. I, I like taking notes. I like writing lists, but then I always lose them, and I hate that. So having a place where it's like, man, I could write all my lists. I could, I could you know, I want to journal more. I could have it all right here. I want to take notes. It's all right here. This would be amazing, and I, th I started thinking about this thing that I think would be great to have in my life. It's like, man, 
if I could be better at taking notes and capturing my ideas, I could be better at my job. You know, if I'm better at my job, then I'm probably going to be happier. And if I'm happier, then I'm probably going to be a better husband at home. If I'm a better husband at home, then I'm probably going to be a better father. And oh my goodness, the remarkable is the answer to all my problems. Like, that sounds, that's so silly. And I don't actually think that cognitively. But if I step back and examine the desires of my heart, when I, and I, I've, I've wanted this thing for a while. So my Facebook algorithm is always feeding me ads for it. So I'm seeing it all the time. Like when I step back, I, I think about it. I can take this very temporary thing that would probably break the instant I get it because I'm bad with technology. But I think it's going to give me something that it actually can't give me. And I think we do that all the time. Remember, this lie is so subtle. It's, it's so close to the truth. That's why it's, it works in our hearts where we think, you know, my actions and my circumstances, if they just align and I get that thing I want, boom, my life is good. But temporary things can only give us temporary joy. Now, when this happens, when we believe this lie, I think what happens is, is something like squeezing a piece of fruit. Now, pretend you're holding an orange, all right? Now, if you, if you want to put out your hand, you can do that. Feel free to. Um, I find it helpful. So pretend you're holding an orange. It's peeled, and you want to make some awesome orange juice, all right? Now, when you start squeezing that orange, is your first squeeze going to be like, Psh! no, because if you do that, what's going to happen? The juice is going to go everywhere, right? You know, you don't want to squeeze super hard. You want to squeeze it nice and gently so that you can get that juice pouring into that cup, all right? But what's going to happen eventually with that first initial squeeze the juice is going to stop flowing out. It's not going to be enough pressure. So you're going to have to squeeze a little more. You get some more juice. And that, that's good. You're like, man, this is awesome. And you squeeze a little more. And then you get a little more juice. And you squeeze a little more, squeeze a little more, squeeze a little more. And pretty soon, you're squeezing as hard as you can to get every last drop. And then what happens to the juice? It stops flowing, right? You stop getting the thing that you're desiring. I think that's an image of what we do with things in this world where we take something and we think, you know what, you're going to give me the thing I desire. And so we start to put a little pressure to get, to get the juice out of it, to make us happy. And at first it works. It gives us that momentary pleasure, that momentary joy. We get that job. And at first it's like, man, this is, this is awesome. Or we get that relationship, man, this is going to solve all my problems. Or we get that, that, that new shiny toy. And we, 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 it's like, man, this is great. But pretty soon, the joy it produces in our life, it's just not enough anymore. And so we need a little more. And so we squeeze a little more. And it's, it's good for a time. And this could, take, this could take days. This could take months. This could take years. But pretty soon, I believe if all of our, the deep desire of our heart is just placed on something temporary, something heavy, something in this life, I think we'll get to a point where we're squeezing and squeezing and squeezing and there's just, there's just no more juice. It just doesn't make us happy the way it used to. It just doesn't bring that joy, that satisfaction, that gladness that it used to bring. I think that's what happens to us. And when that happens, when that happens, I think there's a couple different conclusions that we can get to. And there's four of them. The first one is this, is that we can conclude that joy is just a myth. We squeeze that fruit so much, we, we just conclude that it's a myth. You know, we squeeze all the joy out of that relationship and then it just... It just doesn't work anymore. And it's just, you know, this thing that I'm desiring doesn't actually exist. I'm chasing after the wind. And so we just go on stoically, just kind of, this is life. 
There's no joy, but this is life, and that's okay. Or second, we live for the good old days. We think back to the time when, when the juice was flowing good, and we, are just, we just sit there, and we live in that. And we, just, we live in the past rather than in the present. You know, think about the, the stereotypical good old boys sitting around just thinking about the football in high school. You know, they're just living in the, the good old days. All right? They're not really in the present anymore because all the juices run dry and they're just remembering the good times. Or we live in a what-if fantasy. We think about, man, what if I had gotten that promotion instead of that person? Or what if I was able to find that, that soulmate I've been looking for? Like, what if? If I had just found that person, that would have been the fruit that would have never run dry. And so we just play that what-if fantasy over and over. Or lastly, we just say, this fruit was no good, and we go searching for another. We search for greener pastures. When we try to find that deep, lasting, durable joy, that fruit of the Spirit that God calls us to have, in the things of this world that are temporary, that are heavy, I believe these are the kind of conclusions we ultimately come to. Again, it might, not, it might be super subtle. It may take years. It might take a lifetime. But eventually, we, we realize that, you know what? This isn't what I thought it was. There just isn't that happiness that I thought it was going to bring. So that's the lie. And I think that's the outcome of this lie. So let's move beyond the lie. Let's look to the truth, all right? This is what I think the truth is. The truth is this. Lasting joy comes from the eternal hope found in our relationship with God. Lasting joy comes from the eternal hope found in our relationship with God. Now, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time or grown up in church. Maybe this just feels like a super churchy answer. But I believe it's true, and I believe God's word points us to this. If you just just quick do a survey of God's word, the two places where I see there being the most joy are at the beginning and at the end. At the beginning, Adam and Eve are in perfect relationship with God. Everything is very good. And then what's at the end of the story? God's people are restored to their God in perfect relationship. I don't think it's a coincidence that the places where we find the most joy are the places where the people are closest to God. I don't think that's a coincidence. Because everything else in between is this messy story of our reality of where people are, have broken their relationship with God and they run after the things of this world and the joy is just not there like it could be or like it should be. Now Jesus, there's a story in, in the Gospels, actually the Gospel of Luke, that I think uh, does a really good job of talking about this reality. And uh, Jesus, it's from, it's from Luke chapter 12. And Jesus, he's talking to this crowd, and a guy from the crowd shouts out to Jesus. He says, hey, uh, our dad died. Can, can you tell my brother to divide his estate with us? And uh, Jesus, Jesus knows right away something's going on in this guy's heart. And Jesus basically says, hey, um, no. He says, uh, you, uh, you need to guard against greed. And then he goes on and tells him this parable, which I think this parable... While it's about greed, I think it really helps encapsulate some of this idea of both the lie and the truth. And this is from Luke chapter 12. It says this. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. And he said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. And then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have room enough to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, 
You have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. So here we have this guy in Jesus' parable. His circumstances are great. He's got a fertile farm, all right? The, the land is good. It's not bad. Uh, he's produced fine crops, all right? So his circumstances are good. He gets a ton of crops. Then he takes the action and says, hey, I don't have room for this. I'm going to build bigger barns. Now, that sounds wise, right? Like he's trying to steward his stuff well. But then at the end, he gets to this reality where we see the desire of his heart coming out. And he says, I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend. I think that's so funny. He calls himself my friend. Just, it's just so funny. He says, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. What does this guy desire? The desires of his heart. He's got the security of years to come. He's got the bigger barns full. He, does, he, he, he can sit back and take it easy. He doesn't have to work. He's on vacation 24-7. He can eat and just drink and be merry. This guy's living it up. He's living the dream. He's the ultimate weekend warrior. He can do whatever he wants. He doesn't have to, no more responsibilities. He can just sit back and relax. And then Jesus finishes the parable and says, this. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. So this man in this parable, while it seems prudent what he's doing, he's stewarding his goods while he's building something bigger to store them in. The desire of his heart is simply on the things of this life. He kicks back and he relaxes and he's just focused on here and now. He can eat, drink, and be merry. And God's like, you're done. Tonight's your last life. You're, you're, tonight is your last night. There we go. What are you going to do with all your stuff? Someone else is going to get it. Everything is hevel. Everything is temporary here under the sun, as Ecclesiastes says. Someone else is going to get the goods, the things that were going to satisfy and make him happy for years to come. It's all taken away. And verse 21, I think it's just, it's a hard verse. It's a beautiful verse. It's one we need to really think about for ourselves. A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. I don't think Jesus is saying, hey, we can't have wealth in this life. Because you look throughout God's word, there are people who have wealth. And God's totally fine with that. And God blesses them with it. But he's saying, hey, when you're just focused on the here and now, and you miss out on what's to come, when you miss out on a relationship with me, you're a fool. Because what's going to last? Not the wealth here, but the wealth there with me. And so Jesus is getting them to take their eyes off of the temporary, off of the hevel, and put it on the eternal. Put it on what's lasting. Remember, the truth is joy comes from the eternal or the lasting hope found in our relationship with God. All throughout scripture, I believe we see this reality that hope will then ultimately produce the deep joy in God's people. When God's people were in Egypt, um, back in the Old Testament, and God brings them out, uh, if you know the story in Exodus with Moses, brings them out of slavery, and they cross the Red Sea, they sing songs of joy. Now, they have reasons to rejoice. They've been brought out of slavery, but they're still in a wilderness, and they're heading to a foreign land where there's going to be all these enemies, that would be a scary place to be, even though you just saw God perform all these miracles. And so they're rejoicing in the midst 
of the desert because their hope is on their God. Their eyes are put on him. Now what, if you know the story, what happens? They turn their eyes from their hope in God and they start looking at the temporary. They start complaining in the moment. Everything just goes haywire. We see that all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, The Bible Project, if you know them, they have a video on joy, and they say this about joy. They say the joy of God's people is not determined by their struggle, but by their future destiny. It's by what's ahead. It's by the, the eternal, not the temporary. And think about it. As God's people, we have a future destiny that no one can take away. All the things of this life can be taken away, but that future hope, that future destiny, that relationship with God, No one can take that away from us. And that's where, when God's people have their eyes on that, that's where the joy comes from. And we see the same thing true in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians says this. He says, uh, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. Now Paul, he writes this from prison. He's in a Roman jail cell And he's writing to the people in Philippi and tells them to always be full of joy in the Lord. He clarifies it. It's not just happiness. It's not just joy just in in whatever. It's joy in the Lord. And I find it interesting that he tells them to find joy in the Lord. And the next verse is an action. He says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Or other translations say gentle or reasonable. It's, you know, out of the joy they have in their Lord, it produces an action in their life. And then he reminds them, the Lord is coming soon. He reminds them of the eternal. The the joy is connected ultimately to the eternal reality that there is a God, that he loves us, that he's come to save us. He doesn't place the joy in the things of this world because Paul knows it's temporary. And think about it. The apostle Paul was beaten. He was imprisoned. He was shipwrecked. He was stoned. There was all sorts of bad things that happened to him He went through so much suffering, and yet he's able to say, always be full of joy in the Lord. Now, I don't think the Apostle Paul is being flippant here. I don't think he's just being, you know, saying, you know, turn that frown upside down. He's not being uh, unrealistic about the pain of our life. You know, the Apostle Paul also penned this in 2 Corinthians. He's talking about, he goes through this list describing himself and all, like, the, the other apostles and disciples and he he gets to this line where he says our hearts ache but we always have joy basically we were full of sorrow our lives are full of pain and he, he lists some of those things prior but then he says but there's joy i don't think we can say that if we're placing our joy just on the temporary things paul couldn't say that from a prison cell if it was like well what makes me happy having a hot meal having my freedom, like all these different things. Paul couldn't say any of that, but he could still have joy because his joy wasn't in the temporary. It was in the lasting hope in the relationship with his God. Now, here's the cool thing as we kind of start winding this to a close. Our God, Jesus, he experienced the very same thing. Jesus in in Isaiah He's called a man of sorrow. Like Jesus doesn't call us to some flippant type of joy. This fruit of the spirit isn't meant to just get, well, just don't be sad ever. No, God's word is full of just 
people being honest about the pain of their life. There's a whole book called Lamentations. Like, we can be honest about the pain, but when our eyes are on the eternal, we can also then find joy at the same time. And Hebrews describes this. Hebrews 12 says this. It says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. That's running the race. It's this metaphor for living the life that God has called us to, to to living in his will, to to following after him, pursuing him. And he says, the way we do this, the, the author of Hebrews says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, having that eternal perspective, not looking at the temporary, looking at the eternal. He says, Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Now he flips and now he's talking about Jesus. And he says, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, discarding its shame. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Jesus came to the cross and his eyes weren't on the temporary mess he was in. His eyes were on the eternal. He knew that there was going to be joy awaiting him, despite the fact that he went through the most pain that we could ever imagine. His eyes are on the eternal because he knew he would find joy, that he would be back in right relationship with his heavenly father. And I believe the same is true for us. We can persevere and run the race of this life having joy because we know, we know the end of the story. We know that we're going to be in perfect right relationship with our God. We have eternal hope in that. And we can live in this life both holding on to the pain and the reality that this life is broken and it's hard, but also that, you know, I have something eternal that God's given me, a relationship with him. I've been saved. I have God's grace. I have God's mercy. Yeah, I lost this. Yeah, I lost that. Yeah, that dream didn't come true. But I still have this. And this was what I was ultimately created for. So I can hold on to that eternal hope and have a relationship with God and find joy in the midst of pain. The Bible Project in their video on joy, they they come to this conclusion. They say, When you believe Jesus' love has overcome death, joy becomes reasonable. I think there's a lot of us, and I've done this, where I've come to a place in my life where there's just so much pain, where I feel like, you know what? Joy is just a myth. This fruit of joy, it can't be real. This is just a fairy tale. You know, Jesus is, you know, maybe this is for like a super Christian, like Jesus, but I can't be joyful. But then when I step back and realize that Jesus has overcome death. Like death is the, is the ultimate like level playing field. Like it levels everybody. It brings us all low. We, we all lose everything at death. And then we recognize we got something that goes beyond that. We have that eternal hope because we have a relationship with the God of the universe who thought this universe wouldn't be good without you and who thought even though you turned away from him, though I turned away from him and said, you know what? I want to give them away back to me. And so he died for you and me. When we recognize our God loves us like that, how can we not have some semblance of joy when we recognize the eternal magnitude of what our God is and what he's done for us? So as we, as we wrap up, I just have three quick questions. Three quick questions. The first one is this, and I encourage you to think about them. What fleeting things are you asking to give you lasting joy? It's okay for the things in this life to bring us happiness. It's okay. God's word is clear about that. But is there anything you're, you're holding on to like that piece of fruit and you're just squeezing and squeezing and saying, give me the happiness I want. 
and you're ultimately going to be disappointed. Is there anything like that? Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a career. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's, it's the pursuit of something. I don't know what it's for you. Maybe it's the remarkable tablet like me. I don't know what it is for you. But is there anything that's la- you're saying, give me lasting joy that's ultimately hevel, that's ultimately fleeting? The second one is this. What's stopping you from holding on to the buoy of hope found in God? Uh, do you know what a buoy is? A buoy is that thing that floats above the water. You know, and as the water rises, the buoy is able to stay, to stay on top of the water. I think about the, the pain and the chaos in our life like those, like just chaotic water where it just comes in and it floods into our life and life gets crazy and, and tumultuous and it's just chaotic. A buoy, though, stays on top of the water. And here's the thing. A buoy is in touch with the reality of the water, but it's also above it. And I think that's true about the joy we can have as believers is that we don't have to detach ourselves from the pain in our life, from the, from the chaotic waters, but we can stay above it when we have that eternal perspective. And I think there are things that get in our way from holding on to that. Maybe there's a sin issue in, our, in your life where it's like, you know what? I have this guilt and I can't rest in the joy of my creator because I have this guilt and I just, I'm so bogged down by it. That's what guilt does. It bogs us down. Or maybe there's shame in your life. And I'd encourage you to, to take those things to our God because his word tells us that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And maybe there's guilt that's getting in the way of you experiencing that, that deep, durable joy that, that's offered. Or maybe, maybe your life's so full and so busy and it's, you're just not making time for that relationship. And so you're not finding that deep, durable joy because your life doesn't, is, there's no room for that source of joy, which is God. There's no room for that source of joy in your life. So I don't know, is there something holding you back? Where, where you know, like, that, that I want this, I desire it, but there's something in your way. I don't know. I encourage you just to think about it. And lastly, how can you let your joy be a blessing to others? Because ultimately, that's what the fruit of the Spirit's all about. As we live and become more like Jesus, as we have the fruit of the life produced, the fruit of the Spirit produced in our life, it's ultimately meant to flow over and impact other people. So maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what, I... I follow after Jesus. I have this joy. This, like, this is one of the fruits that I do have in my life. What, how can you, that drive you to then impact someone else? How can you have joy in your life that then leads you to be generous or leads you to serve others or leads you to sit with someone else in their brokenness? What could that look like for you? That fruit is meant to then produce and be beneficial to other people, I believe. So what could that look like? What fleeting things are you asking to give you lasting joy? What's stopping you from holding on to the buoy of hope found in our God? And how can you let your joy be a blessing to others? The truth is, joy comes from the eternal hope found in the relationship with our God. So let's pursue that this week. And let's be happy, happy, happy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for being our God. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for the reality that you understand our pain but you can realistically call us to be full of joy because of you and what you've done and how you conquered death and how you took away the barrier between us and you. And God, I pray for us. Might you work in my heart, work in my pessimistic thoughts and my, the, the, the anxiety and the struggle in my own life. 
And please work in other people's hearts. Sometimes life is so dark and so hard. But Lord, you don't call us to just a flippant joy, a flippant happiness. You call us to something deeper, more durable. A joy that's grounded in an eternal hope in you. So much you meet us where we're at this morning. Draw us closer to you. We love you, Lord. But thank you so much for loving us first. Amen.